Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Sawinski. And I am Bartek. Stop clapping, people. It's just me. Who who are those people? Because the listening people are too busy listening. Yes, I know. Some people just see my lips move and they clap, but they're not really listening. I guess they're more looking people. They're clapping people. Clapping people. They've got clap. They've got, like, hand-eye coordination. When they see something, they clap. So, we're spitting Polish. Likingly, because we're always spitting and getting a round of applause. And we're both Polish. Isn't that right, Bartek? That's right. I don't know if they were clapping for you, but they were definitely clapping. They're internally clapping. They can restrain themselves. I'll share them with you if it's just for me. Exactly. And we're doing our weekly show, Unappreciated Masterpieces, a show in which we provide a feature-length audio commentary tracks for the movies that society has deemed not worthy of discussion, not worthy of a commentary track, not worthy of critical acclaim. And we say nay on that because we are not horses, but we are men that go nay. It's also old no, but this is new time. Yeah, yeah. It's also a Monty Python reference. There you go. They go knee, though. So there you go. Mm. So we also go knee. Um, You got two knees? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You got the joke. It was a hard one. I'm erect, yeah. (laughs) So, Bartek, what's the movie we are covering in this episode? Man, I don't know. I'm stuck in the episode. I can't read the title. I'm here. For some reason, I can. Maybe that's why they clap. Because you speak know. Polish and I don't. What but does I'm Polish not have do- anything to do with Because you're going to say the title in Polish and I'll be like, I don't speak Polish. How'd and you'll you be know? surprised because I am. I, I have predestination I, for I, this singular fact. I didn't tell you that I went to filmweb.pl for the <laughs> Polish title. I didn't say that. <laughs> Did you go to filmweb.pl for the title of this movie? It, does, it didn't have a uh, Polish Wikipedia page. Dang it. Guess they don't like Dolly or something. Who's Dolly? The, the clone sheep? Dolly, that's a magazine, right? I imagine so. so. Maybe. Anyway, the title of this film is, it's a 1992 film, the title is Prostos Mostu. <laughs> Before we recorded, you said this wasn't funny. That made me giggle. I mean, sounds it, it, like, it sounds it, like it sounds like prostitutes are involved already. I said, I said, what it means isn't funny, but repeat it again. Prosto zmostu. Three words. <laughs> That's three. It's one of those cases where there's like a single letter word. <laughs> no, it's just two. So it's prosto zmostu. No I have no chance of guessing what this is. The Z kind of means from, so that's your hint. Uh, uh, So something from... Prostitute from... What was the last one? Mostu. Moscow! There you go. (laughs) Prostitute from Moscow. Kind of makes you think of mosques, so prostitute from the mosque. Wow, Wow, okay. (laughs) Sure. No, no, the title translates to Straight from the Bridge. (laughs) Uh, You know, you know... It's an interesting sequel to Straight from Compton, but it's an interesting movie. Oh, that's Straight Out of. Oh! Or is it Outer? Outer, because they're gangster. Outer, straight Out of Compton. We're doing Straight Out of Bridge? <laughs> straight to Compton. No, what's the movie? Straight from the Bridge is actually, in our English language, known as Straight Talk. So does the Polish language not have the word talk? No, it does, but this is clearly is trying to be more on the nose. I don't know how you can be more on the nose than wait, know, wait, wait. naming it after a song. But... Wait, Straight Talk from 1992? Mm-hmm. With everyone's favourite actor, James Woods? Yes. Oh, my God. And the Dolly magazine, if that exists. It does. But do we have a Dolly of a guest? Because 
Dolly Parton's in this movie as well, by the way. We're just not saying Dolly for no apparent reason. Well, we, we this don't... is a Dolly Parton movie, people. I just want to get that clear. And I'm not indicating that Bart is going to introduce our guest is Dolly Parton herself, or maybe Dolly Parton's sister. Or the Dolly the Sheep. Or Dolly the Sheep, or, or many things. Or that the magazine. Have, many, everything's been named after Dolly, including that sheep. So there you go. Mm, the but, clone sheep. Yeah. Uh, maybe another sheep. Do you have a sheep that's named Dolly after Dolly Parton? What Do was the re- email us. What was the original sheep called? Molly. Molly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that the, the clone sheep was named after Dolly Parton. So. Yeah, so who's our guest? Our guest for this episode, if you were to say their name wrong, would be Jules Gateau. But if you say it correctly, it's Jules Gateau. Hey, guys. <laughs> Jules, you're not Dolly. No, I'm not. But you're a Dolly of a guest. I, I tell said. you what, though, I'm about the same height, but just definitely not the same cup size. Uh, yes, of course. What about shoe size? <laughs> <laughs> so, listening people, you have to grab your copy of the film Straight Talk from 1992, starring Dolly Parton and James Woods. It's James Woods, isn't it? It's not just James Wood. There's an S. It's good. It's good. It's plural. Multiple Woods. Well, some I get worried about that because it's like there's Natalie Wood, mm. and she was just one Wood. What kind of Wood floats? Natalie Wood. It's because she drowned. Okay. That's why that's that, that's an age age timeless joke. I know you. She st- died you, brutally by drowning. You gave it to me so quickly. In mysterious I, circumstances, what kind of wood floats? Natalie Wood. You gave me the the joke so quickly, it, it, like I didn't register it. I'm it's like, okay. I'm a quick I'm quick shooter. Is there a pun there? It's because she died. Oh, panic. <laughs> so you guys at home, grab your copy because I'm going to do a countdown from three down to one. I'm going to say play. You press play and we'll be lined up as we speak about the majesty that is Dolly Parton and, just and to, straight talk the film. And just to be clear, between three and one, there's a two. Well, maybe. Maybe I won't put that in there. Maybe not. You can say the Polish two. Dva. I'm not going to do that. Okay. The Polish one is Yeden. Toi. For toi. French. <laughs> <laughs> That's the French. Oh, right. French, yes. Under toi. Katra saying. What goes on? What was that second thing you said? Katra. Katra. Yeah. Is that four or something? Uh, Un is one. Twa. Katra is three. Oh, okay. It sounds like quattro, which is Italian for four. Well, they're very. They're all in the same area, buddy. Yes. There's some French listener going. That's not how you say it. And I'm like, well, dude, I did French in year eight. That was over ten years ago. I came first, but let's not get yeah. into that. Yeah, French person, go qu'est-ce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's French for I agree. So I'm going to do countdown now. Three, two, one. <laughs> Boy, I didn't follow through on my promise. Do is a different language, isn't it? Do, maybe. Do, do is something else. So Eins, zwei, drei. let's get into Fear. this. Form sex. Oh, the, okay. Did Sorry. you know Jules, the Sphinx Jules, is in Hollywood? You're, you're part Italian. Tell us all of the Italian numbers. I couldn't even help you. I okay, count pretty your high. Italian <laughs> name is Cat. Oh. Yes. Tell us in cat talk. <laughs> I <laughs> knew it. I can count pretty high <laughs> in Italian. <laughs> oh, do you now? Mm-hmm. Why? Because I did Italian in primary school. Uh, I thought it was just because, you know, you're just such a big fan there, of Italian food that they you have wanted a, to learn their language. They have a weird thing with the, the teens where, you know how in English the general thing for the numbers between, like, 12 and 19 are the, uh, you know, the thing at the beginning, then teen? Yeah, yeah. Their equivalent of, like, 17 through 19, they put the teen equivalent first. Oh, nice. So they just suddenly change it. But I've got to ask the important question. That's like German. Oh, those Germans. Kind of. I can only count to don't, ten in Don't Germany. get us started on Germans. Oh, no. 
So, ooh, an ass grab at the very beginning. Oh, oh, there's Ron Livingston. He's literally the first person we see in the film. Did we talk about Ron Livingston already? Okay, in so, no, so just before this. we started, I said Ron Livingston apparently makes his feature film debut in this film, and we've had him on recently for the Odd Life of Tinder Degree, and I said, let's keep an eye out for him. I didn't realise he was literally the first person we see in the, the first movie. First man, yeah. Like, we see him before we fully realise there's Dolly. Yeah, we, we knew that, like, okay, he, he apparently plays a soldier. Were there any soldiers in this film? I was like, maybe there was at some time, but oh, there he is. We got him. The dancing soldier. He's a big connection for us because we had him on recently. There's a lot of people here that have connections to movies we've done on this show before. There's a there's a long list of people here. Yeah? Have we had Michael Madsen? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I feel like we have, but also connections for our personal lives because uh, we'll get into some of these people that are here. But, uh, Jules, what's your history with this particular feature film starring Dolly Parton? I just watched it this morning, not going to lie. That's about uh, oh, as far as my history oh, had you Had you not heard of it before? No. No, So I you had, had no inkling what you were getting into with this? No. I mean, when I messaged you a couple of weeks ago now saying, let's do this movie with Dolly Parton, did, did you prep yourself being like, I'm yeah. going to get a musical at least? Because that's what <laughs> oh, she's known I, for? I, I definitely thought there would be some either singing or songs of hers. So Well, you got that, one. Well, yeah. You got one of them. So, Bartek, yes. were you, like, Jules and had no familiarity with this movie, or have you got a history here? No, I, I don't have a history with it. For, for some reason, I'm surprised I didn't consider whether or not this would be a musical. Because mm. I'm I'm not too familiar with Dolly Parton. I know who she is, and I know what she is. What she is. Um, but I'd never really, yes, yeah, seen her in anything or looked her up. Um... So this was a nice, you know, liminal experience. Good. So so you really didn't factor in any of the musical aspects of this. So what were you kind I, look, of... Look, if you, if you asked me, like, oh, do you think there's going to be a Dolly Parton song? I would have said, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, she's she's the lead in this. so And it happened. But uh, you, you didn't walk in thinking this was going to be a musical by any chance. No, it didn't cross my mind. Good. I, 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 I'll get in mind, but... Uh, when you did walk into this going like, because I, I had told you we're going to be doing this Dolly Parton movie for like last few months now. And yes. Like, we're going to do this Dolly Parton movie. Fun... And I've been smiling every yeah. time. I'm like, we're going to do this Dolly Parton movie. Fun fact, this year, February, uh, it was a toss up between whether we were doing Kevin Smith month or Dolly Parton month. And we did <laughs> Kevin Smith. But, you know, we just like, you know, we, we had to get in a Dolly Parton film. Yeah. Yeah. I was really heartbroken because it's like, oh, I think we're going well, to do it. Heartbroken. You were the main one making the decision. I, I, I was just heartbroken because it was like, oh, I we should do Kevin Smith. I mean, you know, he's yeah. he's a filmmaker. She's yeah. just a film star. I mean, she's a she's a maker of many other things, but not films necessarily. She's just a star. Some might say she makes the movie she's in, and I'll agree with you on that one. But Barnes, actually, what did you think you were going to be getting from this movie before you actually saw it? Yeah, this was one where. Again, like, you told me what film we're doing, like, a week ahead in, of time, and I knew in my head, like, oh, yes, it's the Dolly Parton and James Woods uh, romance film. I guess maybe romantic comedy. I didn't know for sure. Um, but I forgot the name, and then when I looked up the name on our little list, I was like, oh, yes, that's right, Straight Talk. I actually remember this title, Ryan mentioning it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I was expecting a romantic comedy where 
uh, here's the thing. I didn't know if we were mainly going to be following Dolly Parton or James Woods. Mm. So it could have been a thing of like, if we're following James Woods, maybe Dolly Parton's like a, you know, like a manic pixie dream girl kind of character. Wow. Or, or yeah, but as it turns out, we're following Dolly Parton. Uh, you... Shirley Kanan. Yeah, yes. it's a real toss-up too because both of them, in their own rights, are huge stars at this period of time. Like James mm. Woods... He was a big name, you know, like uh, he would go on later for our generation to be a bigger name for his appearances in stuff like The Simpsons and, and obviously Hades in Aladdin. I'm not Aladdin, in Hercules. <laughs> sorry, Hercules. In wrong, Hunchback of wrong, Notre Dame. Yeah. Wrong blue character, sorry. Wrong, wrong blue character. Yeah, you got me there, Jules. Hands up in the air. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but he was a big name. Uh, my history with this is I had never seen this movie before doing it for this show. Mm-hmm. We were theorizing or like, chucking around doing a Dolly Parton month. And I was like, what movies are there to do that aren't 9 to 5? Because 9 to Five's her big movie and one of her bigger songs. Like, if you're not even familiar with Dolly Parton, you know her songs, at least like Jolene and 9 to 5 are kind of like the two big hitters that you know Is her. That working nine to five? Yeah, working nine okay. to five. Well, we've seen, we've heard that song on this show already. Yeah, exactly. It's and called The Love Guru. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> the Mike Myers rendition. And, uh, you know, I was so keen and I saw this one. It was her last film before she kind of went into more playing just TV roles and minor appearances and things as herself primarily mm-hmm. or or versions of herself until like a 2012 film where she played like a movie with Queen Latifah and she's basically playing herself in that like it's kind right. of like a Dolly character type so I was like I want to do this movie probably her last big big movie because you know this was like one that people saw and knew mm. of and stuff and I was like I want to do this and I love the poster this has the best poster. She's like sitting of on a any pumpkin, movie right? we've ever done on yeah. this show. Well, entrapment ever. exists, Ryan. <laughs> well, but at least in entrapment, it made sense. <laughs> this movie's poster is her sitting on a huge pumpkin with the Chicago skyline behind her as a silhouette with a crescent moon, and she's got her fist underneath her chin, and she's looking forlornly. There's no pumpkin in this movie. There's never a reference to pumpkins. At least with when we did the film Entrapment, which has uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones in a sexy skin-tight outfit, bending over sexily, and, and the rest of the poster is Sean Connery's huge face covered in lasers. <laughs> <laughs> or at least those three things are all in the movie. Yes. Even the lasers technically aren't, but they're at least referenced as being something. They're invisible. There's no reference to pumpkins in this. I don't remember. The, like, I thought the closest I could get to is she comes from, like, a... Was it Kansas? Arkansas. Was yeah, it? like a rural area. Rural. And I thought, oh, maybe that's it. Like, it's a pumpkin town. But, uh, you know, when we think of rural America, you think of cornfields, right? Yeah, like maize so, yeah. and cornfields, that kind of thing. When you think it's like of a like Midwestern thing, I yeah. Think, yeah, like I'm not saying pumpkins Arizona. aren't a thing, but like you know, I don't necessarily would jump to that. But here she is, and guys, did you realize? Did you have an inkling in your soul, having watched movies before, that this was going to be an important scene overall in the entire feature film? This bridge. It's going to be so important that the Polish title, title references yes. it. Well, you know, the plot starts from the bridge. 
straight from the bridge. But I tell you what, though, it frustrates me because if you look at it, um, when the money... She's currently trying to get a $20 note off off the bridge. Yeah, well, she's desperate. Um, I find it hilarious because two notes actually flew off and one actually flew on... Like the actual footpath of the bridge, yeah. that would have been the easier way to go, Dolly. Yeah, but maybe it was only a fiver. Maybe. And maybe, maybe she's. I love the fact that we get an inkling of what her character is like from this pure action of, of she's fearless, she's she's headstrong, and she's just going to keep going no matter what the risk is. Mm. And it also says a lot about James James Woods in this too. Like you know, he kind of barges in without really kind of understanding the full situation until afterwards. And that's kind of like his mm. character through this movie too. Like he's kind of barging his way through her life for his own means until yeah. he realizes later on that he needs to grow up and let things go. Like, what's the point of this journalistic endeavor if Mm. it's just going to ruin someone's life? And this is kind of like a nice visual way of showing their relationship and them as individual characters. Yeah, it's like his job is to be a journalist, which is like finding the truth, and you probably have to be very assertive for that. You probably, yeah, barge into these places and ask questions. And here he is barging into things, and he also thinks he's like a hero as well mm. like you know he thinks he's like top shit but he's not really dolly is mm. and you know well, his heart was in a good place his heart's least, always yeah. in a good place but like sometimes you need to really focus in on things you know like hey, he's... the road to hell is paved with good intentions exactly and he's god of the underworld he you would know, know hades <laughs> he would know uh, hades hades <laughs> and you know dolly here is you know she's amazing you know i i had no history and i only saw the poster and i was like oh it's going to be about her moving from the country to the city and all the endeavours and crises of that. And I'm kind of right, but not really. I tell you what, this gives me very um, Meg vibes when Hercules tries to save her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this film is just... Uh, Hercules ripped this film off, is all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Did Dolly Parton ever do a Disney movie? I don't think so. Don't think so. I Did she? Know. I don't know. Oh, man. If she was in, like, uh, what was that one with the dog? There was the one with the dog in, like, the 80s that's, like, just before The Little Mermaid when Disney was going down the toilet. It's, like, Oliver and Company or oh, something like that's that. That's a title, yes. Yeah. Oh, and it's yes. got, like, that movie's, like, every famous musician is in it and they're just doing songs. And it was a financial success, but critically, like, mm. Because it's just like a bunch of musicians singing shit. Yeah, I'll say, if she's I know, in that, I wouldn't be surprised. I know the but title. I've never seen that movie. Yeah, I know the title, but I don't know anything about it. I think Oliver's a cat. Oh, really? Maybe. I thought he was I a dog. Know. I don't know. Tell us, Disney Files. Oh, oh, guys, 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 hold on, hold on. Jerry Orbuck's here. I know you're all wondering who Jerry Orbach is because he's fucking dead. But he's he's Law and Order himself. He was the original guy from Law and Order. The original Law and Order. And then... Uh, he he died, and then they just replaced him, and then on and on the chain of replacing them goes. But he was the original Mr. Law and Order. So Which one was he, Law or Order? He was and. Dun-dun! <laughs> 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 I thought he was the gap between the two. Oh, man. Well, there are two gaps in the world. Man, oh, man. He's, but he's so good. He's two. He's both gaps? He's both. He's, in fact, he's all four. The gap before, in between, and after. after. <laughs> he's, he's all of them. He's the gap inside the letters. He, he fills the bridge, doesn't he? Wow. <laughs> That's intense because in like Microsoft Word and writing programs, those gaps don't count as characters. Exactly. But he is so it's like rich. like meta-characters. It's so good Jerry Orbach's here. So many celebrities. Look, Terry Hatcher's here. 
our favorite Desperate Housewife. We all agree. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Am I the only one here who's watched Desperate Housewives all the way through twice? That depends on Jules' answer, because mine's I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. What the Sorry. fuck, Jules? You're a lady. It's like a... It's <laughs> like a... It's well, like a design... It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> well, it's Ryan like took it every, for you. every lady's seen Sex and the City and Desperate Housewives. It's just a given. Have you seen Sex and the City, Ryan? I, I also watched Sex and the City, yes. Are you a lady? I am, in fact, <laughs> or you, Sarah Jessica Parker. Or are you good enough to be a lady? I'm I sorry. am dude just like a lady, yeah. Um, uh, Terry, so your name is Jessica. Uh, sorry, your name is Amanda. Yeah, you got me here. I'm tied up. Yeah, well, I, I'm Terry Hatcher. Well, the word man's in Amanda, I guess. Yeah, Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> so Terry Hatcher's here for just one scene, and you know we all know Terry Hatcher from something. I mean, she was in Seinfeld. Um, she was like one of the main girls for Jerry that people would just go, Jerry got her. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I can't remember her exact episode. I think she's the one that uh, Elaine scratches at the sauna. No, or something like that. I think that's her because her tits are so perfect that they have to be fake. That's Elaine's whole thing is like, they've got to be fake. And she like, and Jerry Jerry starts getting in on it. And then she like takes her top off at the end and she's like, oh, they're real. And then walks away. I think that's her in Seinfeld. But Terry Hatcher's. You know, she was Lois Lane at one point, and here she is, dating James Woods. <laughs> dating James Woods. Well, breaking up with him, but yes. Well, she was dating him. <laughs> well, well, it's never infer- it's never properly guaranteed that they're broken up. She's just going out now. I don't know. Can you really classify it as dating if you never really get to see them? I mean, you know, that's unfair to long distance relationships. You know. Yeah, but I mean, like, actually spend time. Time. Well, they're spending time now. Yeah, I think that's the most time that Did they've you spent. Did you not see in, the kisses? <laughs> they've spent in their but, relationship. But, oh, can I counter you, Jules? He's a journalist. I mean, they're pretty busy. I guess. There you go. Nailed it. He's only. He's only as good as his next story, and he has to find one. And he's found it, but he doesn't know it. But here's the thing: she should be the best story of his life. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, though: it's a, it's a real toss-up. Who's more attractive, Dolly or Terry? And it's like, well, 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 obviously Dolly, but like Terry's pretty good too. I mean, they're both pretty decent. I feel like but you're no, comparing th- apples and oranges. I'm, pre- I'm comparing blondes and brunettes. You know, oh, like yeah. it's a real toss-up here. Like I'm comparing and super country star to up-and-coming actress. I mean, it's real tough. And then you got James Woods in the middle. I mean, <laughs> he's the Jerry Orbuck of this situation. <laughs> he's in the brim between. No, the real sex symbol is Jerry Orbach. I mean, he's so sexy in this. Like, did you did you like the bit where he's like, I don't like guys with spines? It turned me on. That was a good scene. It was so sexy. That was a good conversation. <laughs> it was also sexy, right? So, Jules, are you a fan or a listener or a follower of Dolly Parton? I'd say listener, like, I am aware of who she is and what she's done, but it's not like I'm really in there. Like, I think the f- the first time that I probably really became aware of her is um, <laughs> Hannah Montana. Oh, she's uh, Auntie Dolly. <laughs> yeah, considering she's her real-life godmother. Godmother. 
Yeah. And then from there, I think I, I started getting into like the music and knowing her oh, from yeah. like, you know, nine to five and Jolene and stuff. But oh, being yeah. younger, being introduced to her by, yeah, Hannah Montana and being Miley Cyrus's uh, godmother. I hear Jolene every time I go to work at Woolworths because it plays on the sound system. The radio always plays Jolene like, at least once a day. And it's one of those few songs where, you know, when you hear songs every day in a work environment, you kind of go, oh, my God, kill me. It's one of those ones that makes you go, nah, 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 nah. This is the one that they I They need could... to crank the volume up <laughs> for this one, you know? And here's the thing. Here's the thing, Bartek. You know, I don't know if you've listened to Jolene, the song. If I heard it, I might recognize it. Yeah, Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Yeah, it's all about uh, her trying to make Jolene not take her man. Yeah, that's Mm. the one. Because she's a sexy brunette with exotic skin, right? So... So, it's Jules, basically, is what she's singing about. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Jolene. Uh, Julesine. Julesine. I'm Jerry Orbach. <laughs> so, he's got orbit hair and he's got exotic skin. So, what I'm saying is, I've listened to that song pretty much daily at work, but the other night, last night, prepping for this, I was reading Dolly Parton facts and I was listening to Dolly Parton and I did not realize how short of a song Jolene is. It's just two minutes long. Hmm. And it's such an iconic song. You think it's like four, like the traditional three and a half to four, four and a half minute long song. It's two minutes, just reaching two minutes around. You're telling me it's not like a hallelujah situation where it goes for like 12 plus minutes. No, it's not like. Can we just applaud that this is probably the best bit in the movie? <laughs> if the fi- I need that as like a screensaver. You know the screensavers back in the day when you had old computers that moved? Yeah, uh, yeah, that, ones, yeah. that should be a screensaver of her just dancing like, yeah, I'm dancing. I'm dancing here. That's, that's something that you would have sent on MSN to somebody else. Oh, oh how's oh, that like not a, a reaction? A emoticon. How's that yeah. not a reaction gif? That's popular now with the young hitties. Because like, you haven't sent it to anyone yet, Ryan. Well, I will. It will be right up there with Steve Buscemi um, being like, I... how do you do, fellow kids? It will be the equivalent of her being like, how do you do? <laughs> oh, here they are. See, just a quick little reference to these two. Uh, one of them is the dad from the Goldbergs te- television show. and Also in uh, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, referencing back to Seinfeld, because that's Larry David's show, where he's just basically George because Larry David is George. George is Larry David, Bartek. So Bartek, once it started entering this storyline of her entering into broadcast radio, like first she's starting as receptionist and then starting as broadcast radio stuff, were you surprised that the film with someone like Dolly who's light and energetic and fluffy actually got surprisingly deep with the whole kind of exploitation aspect of the industry on her? Oh, you mean the whole thing about uh, how they exploiting ex- her, exploiting her, and ki- and her having to follow lies yeah. and being. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Were you surprised that this film took this angle? It's it's an interesting thing because I did not feel that it was unfamiliar to have a story where a character is following through on a lie. Like you know, for example, we did Shark Tale not too long ago. That's that's a film where the main character oh, was yeah. following through on a lie. I was I was going to say this is very reminiscent of Spice World. Of, like, management kind of taking... uh, Oh, you're looking at the exploitation thing. Yeah, exploiting and undermining the female talent for their own means. Oh, yes, that too. But but with the the lie thing, it was... What surprised me was that it was a lie put on by someone else and she was against it. It really gave her this kind of, you know, morality that... 
obviously, I think we could safely say that there was going to be like a liar reveal sort of thing going on later in the film. Yeah, but it went in a completely different way to Shrek. Yeah, it went in a different <laughs> way. Um, but I, I was kind of on her side for most of it. In oh, a way. oh, you have to be. Yeah, because it's not her fault. Like she enters into this whole situation through sheer accident and is being uh, exploited. And even even when when she gets, uh, uh, I guess, sort of comeuppance when like the lady yells at her, who's played by Jane Lynch, by the way. Yeah, that's just fucking crazy. <laughs> What? That's Jane Lynch at the end of the movie who's like, Whoa. my husband's Sean and you screwed me over. That's Jane Lynch, people. Uh, we had Rod Livingston earlier. At least I could tell that was him. That's Jane Lynch. I've never seen him with long hair. That's the reason why. Yeah, but when they're young. Br- or brunette hair. Well, she had kind of really ashy blonde hair. Yeah, but not to the... Like, mm-hmm. Well, I think nowadays it's because she's got that real uh, frosted lesbian butch cut thing going on. Yeah, That we've used to her for like 20 years having. So it's kind of weird to see her with like a more feminine kind of naturalist look. Yeah. It's like, what? But Bart's like, you're going to say something. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more when it happens. But the whole... I guess sort of comeuppance that they were trying to imply there. I felt like that wasn't as strong as it could have been. I was still definitely on her side with it. Yeah. Now, Jules, what did you think about uh, the whole storyline here with, uh, you know, Dolly Parton being a strong, independent woman entering into a primarily male field here and kind of getting forced into a box? Well, see, uh, the thing is, it, it was nice to see her not just, like getting pushed over and going, oh, yeah, I guess, whatever. Like, the whole time you can clearly tell that she's not very happy with it. It is raised on several occasions where they keep on saying, remember, it's Doctor, and she's Yeah, like, you have ah, to hide your past. No, no, it's mm. really not, and why are we still doing this? There comes a point where she even says, I'm depressed, and you're like, no, don't yeah. make our main character depressed. Yeah, and especially, is it... Is it her manager, technically? Yeah, it's the manager that's, of the station. That's yeah. always just sitting there on her shoulder, pretty much going, just remember, like, we're always watching you. Just we're to watching make sure. you. Yeah, that guy's a creep. He was great, though. Mm. I mean, here's a fun trivia fact. I was watching a Dolly Parton interview for this particular film. This film script had been floating around for eight years before it actually got picked up. Mm-hmm. Dolly was originally wanting to do it, but her manager was overseas, so she waited for him to come back. By the time he came back and got in contact and read the script, he was like, it's perfect. But by the time that happened, the script got taken by Bette Midler, right? This film could have been with Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. How good would it be? And then she let go of it, and then Julia Roberts picked it up. Julia Roberts let it languish, and Bette Midler got it back, and then eventually it got given to Dolly. And Dolly's original screen-tested partner for the movie is the manager guy. The oh. one that's the exploitation one. But apparently... Partner is in the James Woods role. Yeah, the James Woods role. Okay. But apparently they were um, too cute. Like, they were, it just was too, like, like too real. So they okay. needed a bit more of the conflict, you know, like, like you know what I mean? Like, James Woods is kind of rough. You know, like it's, you know, they're rubbing against each other in a, in a good way for chemistry. But the other guy who's an asshole in this is like, you know, apparently their the on-screen chemistry was just too believable and too sweet. Mm-hmm. So she got him a role in this as the asshole. <laughs> um, that's what she said in an interview. So that's kind of a, a neat little fact about this movie. A sad fact about this movie, though. 
in the Dolly Parton trivia section on IMDb, not on the trivia section for the movie itself. It's the only place I could find this. Is apparently Dolly Parton had such a miserable time making this movie, she decided to never act in movies again unless she plays herself. And that's kind of been corroborated by the fact if you look at her IMDb filmography. So I have no reason of understanding of why she had such a miserable time at the moment, but it's just stated. Maybe she's full of herself. Nah, maybe, 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 maybe she just was over over busy. Like, you know, she's a big country musician. They're making her do, like, I don't know how many original songs for this, as well as act in pretty much every scene. Because mm. Dolly's, like, a great actress, but, like, usually she's more of a, like, you know, she's not the lead lead as much, more so kind of supporting. Like, yeah. usually it'll be her and the guy, like, Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton, or Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton, or... Or whatever. In this one, it's like Dolly Parton and James Woods. You know what I mean? Like, mm. James Woods isn't the lead like you might have thought. While in those other movies, it's usually the males are the lead and she's the female lead, but not the lead lead of the movie as much. Like, 9 to 5, you know, that's Lily Tomlin's movie, you know, mainly. And then Dolly Parton's like the third one. Great movie as well. But yeah, it was kind of interesting that this movie, I was in I was, I was actually really impressed where this movie took a lot of ethical and morality questions of like, is it right for her to be uh, a f- not only a fake psychologist, but even if you were a real psychologist, doing talkback radio in this kind of fashion will, will be the repercussions. I didn't expect that from this movie. I thought it was going to be a lot more of, oh, people are going to figure out she's a liar and there's going to be a terrible backlash and, and she's going to have to be humbled or whatever and, oh, isn't isn't her, you know, fame comes at a cost and, you know, she's lost her true self and whatnot, but... Uh, it really went in different directions. It's, it's less to do with her at some points and more to do with the actual, like, industry. Yeah, which is... I was surprised. I was also really surprised at the end that the owner of the station decided to become the radio broadcaster guy. When The one, yeah, because he was answering the call. Yeah, it's so weird that, like, the guy who owns the station is like, I'll t- I'll take charge, I guess, of this. It's so, I found that very odd, but in a cute way. Like, this movie overall, even though we're talking about, like, these, like, more heavy elements of, like, the exploitation of, of women in these kind of fields, or, like, pushing and manipulation and, and you know, the ethical questions, this film's still light and fun and fluffy and, like, really, really fun because Dolly Parton, man. Yeah. She's she's a nice ball of energy. What about you, Bartek? Are you not as huge on the dolly? You know? uh, yeah, I'm just not as familiar with her. I, I you, definitely know that the... I definitely know that I would have been aware of her from, you know, pop culture... What's that word where you, like, indirectly get it? Like, osmosis? Yeah, osmosis. Yeah. I, I osmosis Jones, yeah. I would have been direct... I would have, <laughs> yeah, been aware of her through osmosis, but the earliest memory I can think of her is, yeah, from a science textbook talking about the, the cloned sheep. Not in The Simpsons? What was she? In she played herself in The Simpsons at the at the Super Bowl, and she has a jetpack. Mm. Like they're locked in the Super Bowl prison for doing something weird, and she comes over and is like, "I'll help y'all." And she grabs out a lipstick, and it like melts the bars. It's like a laser, and she's like, "I'm off to do my halftime show now." And she's got like a jetpack and flies away because it's Dolly Parton. Why wouldn't she have a jetpack? <laughs> I think that's the same one where it's like Rupert Murdoch. They have their Rupert Murdoch type where it's just like, oh, they could put in prison, the Super Bowl prison, because they steal his, like, his, his box that he watches the Super Bowl from. And then he comes in, Rupert Murdoch's like, 
Oi, what are you doing here? I'm the Australian tyrant. Get him, boys. And they have all those guards with, like, the batons. And they're, like, British guards. But they're going, all going, oi, 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 after the Simpsons. And then they get locked up. And Dolly Parton's there. Saves the day because she's a queen. If the queen died... And for some reason, Prince Charles abdicated being king, and God forbid, Prince William died. Would it be fair if they elected or nominated Dolly Parton to be the next monarch of the British kingdom? Only if she <laughs> gives a lot of speeches. Well, they would have to be songs, though, right? <laughs> well, that too, yes. There'd have to be a lot of weird analogies in there as well. <laughs> now... Dolly Parton's a weird relationship with me because I have I, I have a, you've got a fiance I've got a fiance and she's not Dolly but no uh, uh, it's Jerry Orbach <laughs> love you Jerry but I have a very you know strict taste in my sense of music I'm very much into my parents taste of music David Bowie Iggy Pop Lou Reed you know that kind of music that kind of 70s Late early 80s, late 60s kind of glam, punk, rock, all that kind of stuff, right? So Dolly doesn't fit into that. But I've always liked Dolly. I don't go out of my way to listen to her. But whenever she comes on on something, like on TV or on radio, I'll just stop. Do Stop whatever and be like, oh, it's Dolly time. It's Dolly time. I love Dolly Parton. I love her. She's amazing. Her Twitter... <laughs> is this character, but if it's on Twitter. So she's just giving straight talk on Twitter. Does she give, like, sayings it's... and anecdotes from a Oh, or of course, of yeah. course. Of course. Another trivia fact is all these sayings that she has are all from her family. So she contacted okay. all of her family members and got all these old classic sayings. So, yeah, all these are real sayings. These aren't, like, scripted ones that they made up. These are all legit sayings that she knows or her family knows. Because Dolly, man... She's one of ten kids mm. who grew up in a two-bedroom cabin. Yum. Yum, indeed. And her, like, mother was one of, like, 15 kids, and her dad was, like, one of ten as well, or the other way around. Like, yeah, a lot of partners. A lot, a lot of sayings to come from A people. lot of sayings. <laughs> a lot a of people lot. to make sayings, rather. You know, uh, yeah, and I'm a huge Dolly fan. Like, you know, she's one of those people where I'm just like, yeah, Dolly's cool. I'd love to see Dolly live. She's, yeah, but she'd you're... be really entertaining. But she... you're one of two kids, so you're not cool enough to be with her. You're right. I'm the Jerry Orbuck of the situation <laughs> here. Oh, oh, by the way, this guy here, uh, Casey, um, we don't see much of him, but uh, he's, he's a well-known actor if you know your comedy scenes. He's, uh, he works with Stephen Colbert a lot. He was in the TV show, I've mentioned it before, Strangers with Candy. He plays the gay art teacher, Mr. Jellyneck. And he has one of my favorite lines ever. He knocks on the door. He's just like, knocks on the main character's parents' door and they open up the door like... What do you want? And he goes, quiet, let him speak. And they're like, it's just, it's just him. And they go, let who speak? Me. And this walks in. That's it. Just like, quiet, let him speak. Let who speak? Me. And just storms into their house and doesn't give an explanation. And he's in this movie just as her chauffeur. And it's just kind of neat to see all these little little character actors just pop up through the movie. Bartek, were there any actors that you kind of noticed in this movie that you were happy to see? Just pop their head in and go, hello. Yeah, not not too many that I recognize. The one of the one of the radio people that she works with, um, 
The one that doesn't wear glasses. The one with the more curly hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was Steve Gutenberg for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the voice of Roger Rabbit. Voice of Roger Rabbit. And right. he's in Zodiac as the guy who's like, come down to the basement. Look at look at these things. It's totally me who's the Zodiac, except for it's not. Mm. I love that this sequence goes on. <laughs> like I like the idea that they've been doing this for several hours and she's just like, I just can't lie. I'm also amazed that like he's managed to get it up to $800 a week and she doesn't even care that that's the figure. She's just like, I just don't want she's the, got the title. Morals. She's just not a liar, you know. She's just she's just not a liar. Now, a, a fun Dolly fact is apparently, now I don't know how uh, up to date this is, but reportedly she has her breasts insured for 600 grand. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, is that for like damages or if it gets cut? Just off insured, or just or? insured. Yeah. Okay, you you take that as you will. You know, uh, <laughs> what are the terms and conditions? What what can be damaged? To, like... Let me speak to her lawyer now. <laughs> Let me speak to the accountant now. Will she get insurance if I mess them up in this way? <laughs> yeah, if I squeeze them too hard when I meet her, will she sue me? No. Um. Now she's she's a crazy lady. The fact that I love the most, Bartek, and it relates to this television, to a television show version of a movie we have done, but it still relates because we've done the movie, but not TV. She was a producer, but uncredited because she didn't want to plaster her name all over it for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television series. Her production company, which is at the end of this, is, uh, is, is credited in Buffy. So there is, if you know your production companies, at least you'll know that Dolly was involved, but she didn't have her name in the credits because she didn't want to kind of plaster her name all over Buffy, like being like, oh, it's the, it's the Dolly Parton show, you know? So, uh, those Buffy fans out there, I think you got to thank Dolly. You just got to thank Dolly that Buffy exists. You know, she, she was a financial backer for that show. You know, she is and her production she, company help her put that together. Is so. she related to the pilot, the film? No, she's not related to the film, just the television series. Okay. So I just thought because we've done the film at least that's a nice little little connection there you know like mm-hmm. and that one drove me crazy like I was looking at facts and I just said I gotta stop looking at these facts while I'm watching the movie because I'm just screaming like I'm just like of course she's Miley Cyrus's godmother she produced Buffy for Christ's sake of course of course she's my godmother now other than Dolly guys did you have a favorite character? Hmm. Tough not to choose Dolly, I know. We got well, the two leads were pretty good, um, but yeah, your 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 in between man, Jerry. His 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 <laughs> few scenes I, I can think of like three were all pretty fun. The Orbuck, good choice, Jules. You know what? I actually like her chauffeur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Casey. Yeah, he was fun. I wish there's more of him. Like that's the thing with it's abundance of riches, you know, like. If this movie was four hours long and we got all the characters, it would have been great. But unfortunately, it's not. It's only like an hour and a half, and it's a bummer. Other than Jerry Orbach and, of course, Dolly, one of my go-to characters in this particular film that I enjoyed, I don't know why, but I really enjoyed Zim Zimmerman, the television oh, yeah, yeah. host. Yeah. 
I believe that he has that television show. You he know when you watch believable. movies sometimes or TV shows, they're like, oh, there's this fake whatever of their industry, and you just sometimes go, eh, I don't believe it. Or sometimes you go, I totally believe that they have this show exists. I loved him. I thought he was great. I love the name. Zim Zimmerman. <laughs> It's a lot of things going on. And he also featured someone else in his particular set piece scene that we'll get into later in the movie. The Doctor character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Zim Zimmerman oh. was played by Jay Thomas. Good job, Jay. You did a bang-up job. Now, guys, she's getting successful now. And you can tell because her hair's getting more poofy in different way. you know. Like in that 80s poof before it was just typical dolly poof. Yeah, you can tell there's been a, a, a bit of hairspray and a bit of uh, oh, yeah. back combing to it. Back combing. Uh, Jules, when are you going to dress up as Dolly Parton to a party? <laughs> this specific <laughs> Dolly Parton right here. <laughs> this specific one here, though. You gotta. I'm not hearing a no. Do it to my. Do it to my funeral, please. Okay. Yeah, you're oh. younger than us. You can. You can go. <laughs> you can go. I'll kill myself now so that you. Well, can hold do on. It Don't right force now. it, Ryan. <laughs> Don't force it, Ryan. If, if you make it forceful, it's not going to be as you know genuine. It's not going to be as sexy. You're right. You have you're to right. die in the same you know kind of insurance deal as Dolly Parton's breasts. Um, not Bartek. Is there anything you particularly noticed in this film that you want to bring up as a topic of conversation? Anything that kind of crossed your radar? I mean, we've kind of... Obviously, we, you know, we're going to talk about the film as we go on, but we've kind of generally talked about, you know, a lot of the things Yeah. so far. No, no interesting little observations, like there's no pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it wasn't until after the film that I, um, that I looked at the poster... And, yeah, she she was sitting on something, and I was like, oh, what could that be? It's like, oh, it's just a pumpkin. And I moved on. And it was only much later than I realized, <laughs> why was she sitting on a pumpkin? <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. We'll <laughs> never know. I've, um, you know, the main, the other main guy in this, other than James Woods, is actually her manager guy, mm. who is a well-known actor. He was the main guy in the American Werewolf in London and American Werewolf in Paris. Is he... Griffin Dunn? Dunn. Dune? Yeah, Dunn. Dunn. Yeah. And he was in uh, Dune. Dunn. He was in After Hours, the Martin Scorsese stuff and mm. film. And he, he's one of those working actors. Like, I'm looking at his filmography right now. He's got, like, 98 things going on. And he's just one of those actors that just keeps, you know, peering in things, just working his way through the He was in Law and Order. There you go. We've also got Michael Madsen in this film. Oh, well, let's talk yeah. about him and how he's in, like, three scenes, and they're all amazing. <laughs> Why did I choose him as my favourite character? He's like, The bit where he says, like, tell her I like this particular carpet choice or whatever, <laughs> then throws it in James Wood's face is amazing. Also, this guy. This guy was amazing. Well, you just like him because he likes Dolly Parton. Well, we don't. Well, it's realistic <laughs> to life, you know. Like I like things that are realistic to life. Does you know? Michael Madsen's character like Dolly Parton? Well, he, he, yes, yes, he does. Then we like him. I mean, he clearly likes her. He, he, he's Steve is his name. And the original husband she married three times was Leland. Mm, okay. There you go. I, I paid attention, man. I made my notes on this. This is cinematic gold, people. <laughs> Apparently, she's better than the deep pan pizza for Chicago, which is a bold statement to say. 
on his part. Could you imagine if if I introduced Jules as a media personality in Melbourne and I said like, and Jules here is better than I don't know what kind of food. Avocado toast. Avocado is that what Melbourne likes? Apparently. <laughs> She's better than Avo on toast. And people would be like, whoa, whoa. Avo on toast. Whoa, whoa. 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 Jules? Better than avocado on toast? Hey. Get out of here. And then I say her last name is Italian for cat. And they go, get her back here. I like cats. That's Melbourne. They'll say, get her over here. Right meow. Put her in the cat cafe. Dang it. That's where she belongs. As we speak, Jules is wearing a big fluffy coat. So, you know. Yeah, actually, when I got cats. here, I thought it was i thought it was like a bathrobe or something. <laughs> Fun fact, no, Jules is wearing bathrobe. Uh, she's just that relaxed. Those six minutes late that I was gave you time to bathe. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm clean. You, you know, I'll give the film this, you know. This sequence here, you know, it could have had Dolly dress up like super, super sexy. You know, like it's a fancy ballroom kind of black tie event. And Dolly's a sexy lady. I mean, she's got those big titties. And the jawline that's just as big as the titties, you know. <laughs> and and she's like a sexy lady. And, they and you know, they still dress her pretty conservatively. You yeah, know? they keep it, keep it under wraps. Yeah, I mean... I mean, know. it's definitely a little bit more exposed compared to everyone else. But it's definitely not as far as they could have potentially I mean, gone. If, I mean, if Jerry Orbach was here, he would, have, he would have had a backless tuxedo. You know, I just know that. The, but yeah, I found it like nice that even though they're, they're, they're pushing her to be this kind of object of desire in the industry, she still has her kind of, you know, her conservative nature when it comes to the way she, you know, like she's she's still kind of in her way she dresses, still kind of her, even when they put her in those kind of 80s business lady attire, she still wears like a flowery shirt or something that's still yeah. a little bit of her own personality, you know, and I mm. find that I guess, yeah, very touching. Her, her fame in this in the universe of this film is derived from her charisma. So you would want her to, you know, have a bit more, more going on, like more character. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heart in this movie. Like you can see that the woman that's currently, well, the two women that are currently in friend, they got like brighter colors, but you can imagine that like, oh, maybe they're like, you know, wives of someone famous. Maybe they're not necessary. That's this is just presumptuous. But you know, I'll allow you to be presumptuous here. I mean, she produced Buffy. I'll allow you to be <laughs> presumptuous here. She produced Buffy. His Hades and Jerry Orbach's here. I mean, what else does a film need, huh? The other thing that this film needed was Burt Reynolds as her ex-husband. <laughs> like that's the only thing it needed. They should have shown Leland and it's just Burt Reynolds and he's just like, yeah. And Mad and Michael Madsen's his best friend. Steve's his best friend. Bro. Michael Madsen, Mr. Blonde himself. Now, yeah, what Michael did we Madsen. think of James Woods in this? And are we as familiar with him outside of animated versions of characters he has played? You know what? The three things that I can think <laughs> of him from are all voice acting related oh, what are a they? tv show a movie and a game okay what's the game because the tv shows are like simpsons right simpsons hercules and grand theft auto san andreas oh what does he play in that he plays a character named mike torino he, he's introduced as like one of three members of this gang um oh so he's a gangster he's he's introduced as one of three members of this like you know underground gang um and he's like the businessy kind of guy 
And after you kill them all off, it's revealed that he survived and he's actually this government agent. Okay, that makes way more yeah. sense. Because I was like, I do not believe James Woods is a gangster. If you said he was a secret government agent, I totally believe it. And honestly, maybe... Because I first played this game when I was 13... Maybe I was just a bit of a dummy and I wasn't thinking too hard enough, but because the whole thing with him after he comes out as a government gangster and he gives you these bizarre missions where you get no context for what he's asking you to do. And he's talking about how, like, you know, you see all these hills that were around? There are guys watching us from all these hills and they can kill us at any time and stuff like that. And as a kid, I was thinking, like, oh, this this doesn't really make sense. This guy's, you know, whatever to me. But now growing up, I understand that, oh, he's playing this kind of role where he, he's... Yeah. He's a serious man with insane connections and there's crazy stuff going on and you don't have any context for anything that he's asking you to do. And it just kind of elevates the character a lot more. Now, although I haven't played San Andreas, I have played Grand Theft Auto V and his character's not in that. No. It's a different but continuity. But he's alive, right? Yeah, Mike he, Torino? Is he alive in that universe? The the weird thing with the, the HD era, as they call it, is it's a different continuity from the PS2 era. Oh, I thought with Grand Theft Auto V they had some characters. The, on, the only exception up. is the the in-game radio has some... Uh, well, what I was yeah. going to say was, if in Grand Theft Auto V they put in canon that James Woods is an actor who played secret agent Dorito Micro- to play... <laughs> gangster then it would make a hundred percent even more sense because you know james woods you know he's a well, you know he's a guy in this movie i really liked his character when he was a jerk <laughs> like when he was like I'll, I'll kick his ass like that kind of thing when he's bleeding like he's such a sniveling little worm of a guy i liked when he was that like when he was making these wad lighters and yeah. like being really crass like here when he's asking her on the first date where she lost her virginity or how she lost her virginity. That's, like, far out. That's very forward. But, you know, I kind of believe it. You're like, well, if James Woods asked me on my first date with him where I lost my virginity or how, I think I would tell him. I mean, he seems very confident. <laughs> and it makes me feel confident. And you, you know? tell him, I lost it tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to you. <laughs> and he'll be like, In Whoa, five minutes. <laughs> panties off. Panties now, are already off. Now, Jules, this is a pretty intense first date. You know, they're at a five-star restaurant. She's willing to pay for everyone's champagne until she realizes that she can't. And he asks her how she lost her virginity. Have you had a date more intense than that? I wouldn't say I've had dates more intense than that, but I've definitely had situations that weren't meant to be dates that Uh, someone uh, took uh, as a date. And then went downhill from there. And the name was James Woods. <laughs> he was like, "What, Jules? What's wrong here? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wanting to, I'm just wanting to know where you lost your virginity. That's all I want to want. No, I want to know. Okay. I just want to say that I'm really enjoying our date at the moment, though, Jules. So don't worry about that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm the Jerry Orbach of the date. You are I'm in just the middle. In between here. <laughs> you are literally. In I'm the space in between, which is a movie title. I'm pretty sure there's some movie where a kid from Mars goes back down to Earth and oh, he starts. No. Dying I, and it's called like the space between or in the space between. He's born on Mars and wants to go to Earth and it's called that. It's called that, right? This, uh, in the space between something like space that. between us and he starts dying because our gravity is all different. Yep, that would be the one because he didn't acclimatize or what is it? Pressurize. When... That makes me think of going underwater. Yeah, no, it's exactly yeah. the same. Okay. Yeah, the... Oh yes, of course, it is the same. His yes. his bones can't 
cope with the he got Earth's the bends. <laughs> he got the bends. That's isn't that what they call it when you come back up from pressure too hard, uh, too fast. You get the bends. Maybe that's what they used to call it because you get poopy. <laughs> but um, gotta pop your ears. Pop 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 now i thought this was an interesting kind of way to write two characters that are falling in love because it's called straight talk and guess what they're doing they're talking straight they're just straight talking and then here comes the guy who's nothing if anything he's the opposite of straight talk he's mealy-mouthed he's always telling the opposite of things he's always trying to weave his way out of just getting to the point he's he's curve talk he is tangle talk (laughs) <laughs> I would listen to that show. Hey, it's me, Tangle Talk here. <laughs> That's his name. And I, I like I like the three-way exchange that's going to come up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> she just said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I lo- yeah, these these three. If more of the movie was these three, it would be like not rated 5.7. It would be rated at least a 6. 5.7, Jesus. Yeah. I, I know, right? How How pitiful of society. Do you think society wasn't ready for Dolly Parton and James Woods to bang? Well, the interesting thing is when I read the Roger Ebert review... He, he... was ready, was he? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, Hello, my name is Roger Ebert, and I was ready to whip it out of the cinema at the idea of them two banging. In a matter but of then side... it was off screen, and then I put it back in my pants. In my a... body was prepared. <laughs> in a manner of speaking, he gave it two out of four, and the, the two that he took away was mainly about the plot because he said the two that he gave it was for how well the two lead actors played. So he was into, he was very much into Dolly Parton and James Woods. What didn't he like about this plot? It's very interesting. I mean, yes, it goes over some familiar beats as every movie does, but it has so many unfamiliar beats, like so many, like, like weird and very intense kind of ethical and thematic things going on that I think it really evens out overall and Clearly, makes it a, yeah. a diverse film. Clearly he was looking at all the cliches and, you know, predictable plot developments. But I would prefer that than plot holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael Madsen did figure out where he knew him from. Well, you see, on the Roger Ebert's yeah, website, true. at the very top when it says, like, you know, Roger Ebert, 19-whatever to 2000-whenever he died... They have the quote, Roger Ebert loved movies. <laughs> and clearly, you know, he, he, I bet he wanted films that were not cliche and didn't have plot holes. Ah, oh, here we go. This is where. This is a, yeah, this is a great sequence. This whole part of the movie is pure dynamite gold. But you know what's great? She says she's not going to lie. And she doesn't actually lie. That, was, oh, well, she's, she's virtuous. I was going to, yeah, say something similar to that effect. Um... Yeah, throughout the film, she's being told to keep up this lie, and most of the keeping up of the lie is done through her. Yeah, being being that was sorry, sorry. You just you just put it down. I'm already like, yeah, go Zim. Yeah, that's that's a good thing about the film. Yeah, it's like if he does this, it's bad, but he's not going to do that. Cut to him doing that. Um, yeah, mostly through her silence. But when she when she is speaking. She's not really lying. She's telling the but truth. But she, I don't think she ever directly does it. I think it's all because somebody else kind of yeah. puts, like oh yeah, you know Her she's sil- not she's being yeah. silent. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Several times in my notes, I did write. I don't think Dolly was given a script. I think that they put her on set and made the film's plot, and she just reacted like Dolly would, because I believe that Dolly is this in real life. Sorry, Ryan, you said Dollywood, and it just made me think of Hollywood, but with Dolly. <laughs> I think that's her theme park land. 
Dollywood? Dollyland? Oh, well, there you go. Dollyworld? I can't remember which one it is, but I want to go there. It sounds amazing. I can I can imagine this scene was made through, like, improvisation or something like that. Oh, yeah. Zim, man, he has too much charisma. Mr. Like, J. Thomas. J. Thomas. And, you know, I also like the fact that they're showing the this part of it, the, the them in the tele, like, in the room watching mm. the screens and, you know, how the biz works with them cutting and making the drama more by focusing in on an older gentleman clapping and, like, yeah. like how they're also, these people are also manipulating her by using the techniques of cutting and with live television and yeah, all that. I, so, I found that... You know, that's very interesting. And this is a good thing. I found that really jarring. Oh, yeah. Because we were hearing the Zim and Dolly and, and eventually this guy here, the the next Doctor. Doctor. Um, Doctor yeah, Erdman or something. We were basically hearing them talk at normal volume the whole time, from what I recall. It's been yeah. know, 18 hours since I watched the film with sound. Um, but then we just cut into these guys saying, like, cut to this camera, cut to that camera. And it's like, holy shit, I, I was listening to something, but now I've been distracted. It's... It's this kind of, yeah, this kind of mania yeah, definitely. to the whole thing. Now, can we talk about Dr. Erdman and how amazing he is? Because he, he's great. His advice is, like, literally the worst advice one could ever give, ever. It's, but yeah. the actor, Spalding Gray, mm. says it with such assuredness that you just believe it. Now, I mentioned before that there were some actors that have a personal touch here. Now, I don't know. We all did a drama degree at the same university, different years for Jules and Jules and myself and Bartek. Like, Jules yes. was below us. But, uh... Below us. She was below <laughs> us. She's a bottom. So what I'm saying is we're tops. Jules, you can come on our show, I guess. I guess. <laughs> but what I was going to say was Spalding Gray, when we did drama... Now, I don't know if you guys attended these lectures, but we had these uh, these classes where we had to do monologues as ourselves. Yeah. Yes, and that's uh, right. uh, you know, I did one where I talked about how a teacher didn't know my name. I don't remember yours, Bartek was my I, my. I, well, yeah, my one was my uh, oh guest on the show, Nathan Malloy, giving me a free drink from his Hungry Jacks and trying to look cool, and he spilt the drink. And Jules, what did you do for a monologue on yourself? I think I did one about work and just the yeah. dumb questions that I get asked kind of thing. So in prep for this, our teacher showed us like stuff like Bill Hicks stand up and yes. stuff. And one of the things she she showed us was Spalding Gray's Monster in a Box, in which is just him sitting at a desk telling us about his life and like how at one point he had he 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 thought he had AIDS and then he didn't and all this crazy stuff and it's like he's very well known for you know he was very no well known because he's dead now very well known for just public speak you know just spoken word public speaking stuff and it's just like he's one of those guys like you could literally sit down for two hours and just watch him sit at a desk speaking mm. and uh i did that for one of the lectures i don't know if either of you attended for that particular one or not lectures i kind of gave up on after the first semester yeah <sighs> no i remember watching monster in a box it's great it it's is. really worth checking out bartek as well as the big one is swimming to cambodia in which it's about his problems making the uh, film the killing fields Mm. and uh, all this kind of stuff. And it's also very kind of poignant when you know... Like, he speaks about his real-life stuff and all that. And he has other ones, like... Uh, since his name's Spalding Gray, he has ones where he's like he's uh, he was a hypochondriac, and he has one called Gray's Anatomy. <laughs> so that's pretty good. And all of his films, things, were filmed by real big filmmakers. Like, uh, one of them's filmed by the guy who did uh, Silence of the Lambs. Another one's filmed like by someone else. Like, all these well-known filmmakers filmed his, his him just sitting down talking. Mm-hmm. 
it's just amazing. So I really appreciated seeing him in this as an actor. I'm used to seeing him, uh, and he's real personal to me because you know I really I really like his style, and I've watched all of his things and listened to the audio of his stuff. So it's interesting seeing him actually physically turn up as an actor here, playing a straight role. I've seen him play more goofy roles where I'm, he's saying weird shit. I've got I've got the Wikipedia page open for this film, but no internet connection and. He he plays Doctor David uh, Erdman. Erdman, yeah. There's a hyperlink on that character. Apparently, this is a real guy or a character. Oh, I think when sort. you have a hyperlink, it takes you to their quotes as well. Like to if, their quotes. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. No, the the hyperlink that it shows is uh, not a wiki quote thing. It's just yeah, David V. Erdman. Oh yeah, page. but uh, so he's like yeah, it's just uh, cool to see Spalding Gray for me turn up in something, and in probably the best scene, best sequence of the movie where Dolly's just basically telling you know stand up for yourself and mm. believe in yourself, and sometimes healing is you know being able to walk away, you know. Which is but I like beautiful. this too when they're actually picking up their cars and <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not a pink Mercedes, like I'm an actual person. Yeah, and then that plays in later when she's like. You know, I'm just a Pontiac, maybe a Chevy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just really pointy and stuff. Then also the scene is punctuated with him. He's not his own person. He is his car, you know. Like, he ends the scene by being, like, you know, kind of defeated, but also saying, like, yeah, I'm this car. Mm. And it kind of really kind of shows you how these two are fundamentally different people as well. Like, yeah, this is a romantic comedy movie with, like, James Woods, but I say there's the trifecta of characters here. You know, there's... There's the manager, there's James Woods, and there's her. And I think they all have interesting dynamics when they're together and when they're separate. Either if it's just the two on two or the three against each other or or just one by themselves. They're, they're a great trifecta of characters. They're, like, they're, they're just really solid. Yeah, I thought with the way that scene ended, I thought there was a possibility that like he might reform. Yeah, and... he might. Yeah. We don't know. We don't get to see a conclusion on him. That's my only major flaw with the movie is we didn't get a proper resolution for him. We didn't get to see a fallout or a consequence yeah. or realization for him, which is a bummer. I think they could have afforded at least one scene there, you know, and my other big point of contention, and maybe this is why it has a 5.7. I don't know. I think it's still silly. I, you know, I'm a sucker for romance in my movies, you know, like, uh, I want more dates. I just wish we saw her and James Woods go on a few more dates because they had really electric chemistry, you know? Like, I had been joking before we went to do this episode, like, oh, man, are you excited to see James Woods and Dolly Parton's chemistry on screen? Like, because like, it's just like, like, on paper, it's an absurd idea because James Woods is known for doing these gritty, kind of hardcore, aggressive kind of roles. To see him kind of soft and kind of, like, charming is kind of interesting to see even for people like us we've known him for voices like hades is a jerk you know he's he's an asshole he's a villain you don't think of him as a nice yeah. guy or when he's james woods on the simpsons he's still an idiot he's still a jerk he has the best line the best sequences of lines in the simpsons though where it's like i'm gonna go off to a far distant planet and and fight an army of aliens oh that sounds like a wonderful movie i can't wait to see it yes movie. And I like that, yeah, he asked Jimbo for his impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of all characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, man, this is a story about, uh, you know, how success can uh, really kind of take away one's identity. But I still think that Dolly, through sheer performance, 
still has her character have a shred of her identity throughout even the, the, the low points like these moments, you know? Mm. She still has what's cooking. I mean, the classic line, what's cooking, Bartek? What's cooking me? Yeah, what's cooking you? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. The sun? Ask Dolly, she'll know. I had a hot bath <laughs> earlier, maybe that. Now, looking at Dolly Pan's tw- tri- uh, Twitter recently, one of her tweets was a picture of herself mm-hmm. smiling, and she replied to her own picture of herself going, that lady's got a beautiful smile. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, she does, Dolly, it's you. Well, she has classic ones, Jules. You have to follow her on Twitter. It's great. She has classic <laughs> ones, like, even if you don't have Twitter, just follow her. She has ones where it's, like, her telling a joke, and the jokes all relate to her, uh, the punchline being a fiddle, and the punchline of it being a fiddle is a picture of her playing the fiddle. Is it as good as Cher? She's best friends with Cher, it <laughs> seems like. she Literally, her tweets over the last couple of weeks have been all about Cher. <laughs> so, yes... Did you know when Margaret Thatcher died, there was a hashtag of Thatcher died? And it yes. read as that Cher died. You've told this yeah. trivia on the show before, Ryan. Yes. I just needed a reference again. We brought up Cher. Is it, is it good as uh, Susan's uh, album party? No, do tell us all. So Susan Boyle, <laughs> once upon a time, released an album and the hashtag was Susan's album party. Mm-hmm. Now, oh yeah. If if anyone's listening out there... Write it down and look at it and tell me what you think that says. <laughs> Bartek's writing it down. No apostrophe, I'm imagining. No. 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 Album. Party. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Um, I can see bum party. <laughs> um, or, or maybe just Susan. Susan album party. Maybe not Susan's. Oh, uh, no S. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you say it out loud, Martin? Sus anal bum party. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, Michael Madsen just smiled. I'm smiling, as is the bartender, who looks exactly <laughs> like Kenny Loggins, which is another country guy, so there you go. Um, Michael Madsen was great in this. I was a bit upset that we didn't get more of him. Again, abundance of riches, you know. we Are, are we familiar with him as an actor? Michael Madsen? Yes, he was also in a GTA game. <laughs> was he a gangster? <laughs> yes. I would. I believe that. In the mafia. I believe and, that. And I would believe if you said that he wasn't an uh, undercover cop. I wouldn't believe if you said he was an undercover cop. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, no, no. He was genuine mafia. Uh, anything else you know him from? Uh, well, he was in Reservoir Dogs, right? He was Mr. Blonde. Yes. In the famous cutting off the ear and dancing around to Stuck in the Middle with You. And you know who's Stuck in the Middle? Jerry Orbach. (laughs) (laughs) That's who that song's about, people. It all ties together. The Gordian's Knot of Orbach. I know I've I've seen or heard him in other things, but I'm blanking right now. He was in Sin City. Yes, I I remember that. that. He was in Hateful Eight. Oh. Ah oh, man, he's he's in a lot, he's in a few Tarantinos. He was in the Hateful Eight. He was great. He's like, uh, you know, you know the idea of the Hateful Eight, like, like trapped in the cabin, and it's like who's secretly an asshole here. And Kurt Russell's trying to investigate who's here to like take his bounty, and he walks over to Michael Madsen, and by this point, Michael Madsen's got a voice. You got this kind of voice. I'm Michael Madsen. And he's got like a uh, like a thing around his neck, and he's got like he's a full-on cowboy, mean-looking cowboy. And he's writing these letters, and they're like, 
And he's Kurt Russell doing his John Wayne approach. He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm writing letters to my mother. His whole, his whole alibi for why he's not an arsehole is he's a mama's boy. And he's just like, Kurt Russell's just like, Bobby he's just, yeah, he's just, like, he's just like, you don't look like the going home to mother type. He's like, well, I am. And he just looks at him and he looks like Michael Madsen, who just looks like a mean motherfucker. And you, you just are supposed to take a face value in that sequence. Michael Madsen. That Michael Madsen's a mama's boy, and it's one of the greatest moments ever in all of cinema. I love it. It's one of my favorite moments in that film. He's just in a ton of shit, man. Like, yeah, he's he's just one of those guys who just is like either a psycho asshole or a down-to-earth, blue-collar kind of guy. You got me wondering if we've had him on anything in the show before. I can't remember uh, yeah. if we have. I mean, he didn't kill Bill, obviously, as well. He's one of the people that has to get taken down. He's the brother of Bill. Hmm. You haven't seen Kill Bill, have you? No, it's also another one I have to get around to. So, but... Where? Okay, no more. No more you going where. This is the final episode <laughs> where you go where. Next episode, if you go it, I'm going to smack you, and you're going to be like, why? And I'll be like, listen to Straight Talk. Yeah, we've been very lucky. We haven't been having people clap. Oh, there they are. They're clapping at me again. They're clapping at you. They're clapping Stop! at you. Oh, my God. They stopped. Ooh, they kept going well, there. That was Jules. <laughs> Sorry. Um... It's a very good, uh, very good date technique. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the music, shall we? Dolly did all of the songs herself. Like straight all Talk. Those. Straight Talk. Did you have a favorite? Straight talk, straight talk. You like straight talk? <laughs> yeah, it was in the credits and it stuck and out. The begi- and effect. the beginning. And the beginning, that's a primacy effect. Ooh. Those were your favorite, just straight talk? It's the main one I remember. Oh man, she has so many good ones. There's the one where she's leaving from the country to Chicago and it's all about like believing in yourself. Mm. There's also a great song in the middle area where she's feeling extra low and it's all about um you know you got to pull yourself up and believe in yourself what i'm saying is dolly's songs are all about either believing in yourself working nine to five or jolene don't steal my man <laughs> that's what i'm saying is she's got a very strong repertoire look the thing is if you music. If, if you work hard you believe in yourself eventually you'll be able to tell your man not to go see another woman also men are the worst uh also a reoccurring thing in her songs and her does she sing about demeanor. does she see, uh, sing about stealing bowling bags I mean, I wish she did. I do love that Michael Madsen uses that as a character flaw on her. Like, <laughs> what kind of woman? Like, would would you write about like that? Still, as yeah. a bowling bag. I liked how he smiled when he got it back. I personally like that she, who's five foot tall, tiny, wears like a whalebone corset most times, who's got huge tits, small hands, can throw a bowling ball in a bag with one hand. I don't think I could throw a bowling ball with one hand. Like an overarm throw. I don't think I could do that with one hand. Was it established that there's actually a bowling ball in the bowling bag? Dude, yes. You're going to see it. It's going to be, yes. Okay. Because Michael Madsen barely catches like, whoa. And then he's like, <laughs> my bowling ball. Okay. I guess I misremembered. I thought because she put something the, else in there. Because at the beginning of the movie, she has her wallet on top of the bowling ball. And that's why it's kind of like the money flies out. Right. Because she kept the bowling ball in there. 
because she's just one class. She's a classy dame, you know. She's she's what they call the world's classiest dame. Because oh. you know, when she's inviting a man over to look at her carpet samples, she actually means carpet samples. Well, here, well, uh, James Woods knows that beforehand, but he got horny just in case. He got wood. He got Natalie Wood because she, she drowned. It's very sad, but it's like they think Christopher Walken did it. Okay. You know that? No. So she was married to Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood, who's also an actor. He played number two. Yes, I know Robert Wagner, yeah. Oh, you do? Yes. And he was they were having a slightly unhappy marriage, it seemed like. And Christopher Walken was in a movie with her. They were filming it. Brainstorm. And they were all on this boat, just the three of them. And she somehow mysteriously drowned. And it seems very obvious that she got murdered. But no one could ever prove it. And everyone's like, Christopher Walken definitely had something to do with this because he's one creepy, weird motherfucker. Uh, I think it was Harold Holt. I personally think it was Natalie Wood. I think she was like, I'm going to frame these guys. And it didn't work, Natalie. I'm sorry. It, soz? Soz. Um, I'm not finding him, but he did do the voice of Michael Madsen. He did do the voice of Kevin Costner in Bob's Burgers. Huh. Just a fun fact. He really does a lot of Mr. Blonde stuff and is, like, pointing. Just like, I know you, don't I? I'm waiting for him to cut his ear off, honestly. <laughs> I'm threatened. But James Woods, he's so fucking good at this whole sequence here. This is, like, I wish his character was way more of this. Again, I kind of wish Michael Madsen was in this so we could have a four-way character thing with the manager, Michael Madsen, James Woods, and Dolly Parton. Like, these four guys, uh, these three guys that are c- trying to either win her art, her heart or control her in some way. Like, mm. all three are very different in their approach to it as well. And I just love James Woods. Like, yeah, I could beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, don't I? I'm a mama's boy. So, yeah, they... He's, he's, I mean, Michael Madsen, he seems like a charming guy. If, if Jules, you divorced your husband three times and he was his best friend, you would date him, yeah? Yeah, or that, and he'd probably just throw me over his shoulder because, you know, I'm about the same height as Dolly Parton, so... Are you smaller or taller than Dolly? I'm 5'1". Oh, shit, but your hair isn't as tall, so maybe no. you are the same height. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, Dolly's got... One of Dolly's tweets was a picture of her wearing this massive wig, and she goes, As I get older, the wigs get lighter. And I'm like, Dolly... Why haven't they nominated you for Nobel Peace Prize in just peace? Not even writing. (laughs) Just peace. Oh, and here she goes. You know what would have been cute? If she used a carpet sample. The funny thing is that the towel that she's using is almost the same colour as one of the carpet samples. I do like that the film recognises that it's kind of weird that she kisses him while he's bleeding profusely out of his probably broken nose. It's just like a little light kiss and she's like, ah, screw it. And they just get at it, you know? Now, I'm very happy that Dolly did not lose her bone, her lady boner because he got beat up. She's still like, I am ready to fuck. <laughs> See, right here. Right here, now. right now. <laughs> right here, right now. Well, she knows that he can take... Oh, he can take it. Yeah. I mean, he sounds like he can't. He sounds very shocked when he sees her naked. <laughs> 
what it is, is it's not her tits, because we all know that she's got huge tits. I mean, James, come on, if you saw her naked and were surprised by how big her tits are, I mean, you're not looking. Yeah, so it was her what he was surprised by was the fact that she doesn't have legs, but but she's a mermaid, actually. <laughs> no, it's her she's... moles, because he says holy moly. Oh, yes, of course. Holy moly, donut shop. That's a Friday After Next reference there for you, Bartek. Deep, unappreciated masterpiece lore that I'm slamming on you right here, right now. I've only seen, I've only seen one of them. We did it Friday after next. Yes, <laughs> and it was in that one. Yes, Holy Mother Donut Shop. I love that. I made a reference to something you've seen. I've only seen one of them, Ryan. <laughs> That's my deep shame. That's his <laughs> deep shame. I do love that they got undressed very quickly. I mean, she had quite an outfit on. Look, could you take she, off that outfit that quickly? Could have unzipped everything that fast. Kudos to her. I mean, she is little. It means there's less, like, less time wasted. Well, she I understand there's that. There's less of a zipper. She's, I, she's, I get that because I probably have the same like zipper on most of my clothes. She's rich and so, guys, hear that? Jules gets undressed real quick. She's rich and famous. Hi. She probably had assistance. Hi, guys, it's me, Jules. I'm the hottest thing in Melbourne. I take my clothes off real fast. <laughs> Because I'm little. You'll you'll now know me by the fact that my last name is Cat in Italian and I can take my clothes off real fast. Have and you fun. can see a cat in Italian once she takes her clothes off real fast. <laughs> see? <laughs> exactly. That's how cats are t- meow in Italian. There's no Italian accent to that cat. It sounds... It could be any cats. Isn't there... I can't remember which Asian country it is, but isn't there like a whole town that had to move away and just give its town to a whole... Like trove of cats, I swear. Maybe. I think there's, there's a, a whole town that is just swarming with cats. I would not be surprised if it's Japan. Yeah, I was about to say if it's Japan or like uh, Korea, I that, maybe. I know that there's not an island, but there is a like a temple or something in Japan where it's just a guy that like takes in homeless cats or something like that. But the thing is, there's so many Strays. islands in Japan where it's like a whole island of oh, rabbits, yeah. a whole island of deer. A whole was... island of one soldier think... left from the Second World War that refused to believe the war was over. Guys, we're missing the great scene in which Jerry... Somewhere. Jerry Orbuck here has great deliveries here. I mean... Yeah, I love this. I love that usually in a movie like this, like we did recently so Married an Axe Murderer and, and Alan Arkin was like the boss that was like nice. Mm. He was like, yes, yeah, I joined right, it. Yeah. And this one, he is he's genuinely a boss. He's just like, I do not care for you. I do not respect that you are trying to grow integrity. You have a spine. I hate people with spines. You, you, you back, you, you, you know, you, you, you fight against me. I hate people who fight against me. I hate you. But I tell you what, this is the one thing where the, the typical trope is not there, where he doesn't just magically go, here's all the dirt that I have. I've published it already, but yeah. please forgive me. Yeah, I was happy that it didn't go down that road. Like, it could have gone down that road of he releases the information and then ruins her life. And then he's like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I feel bad. And you have a you have a shot of him sitting at a window with rain hitting it. And he's just like, the rain represents my sadness. And Dolly's sitting at a window with rain hitting it. But they're facing, like in the frame of the shot, they're facing towards each other. when you look at it like, oh, and maybe they do a cross dissolve where they're like looking at each other sorrowful in their different shots. Like, you could have had that sequence. And and then you had Dolly singing, Jolene, Jolene, <laughs> Jolene. 99 cents for an object is, man, the 90s, right? Oh, man, remember when things were cheap? 
What, when you could actually get lollies for 20 cents? Oh, man. You know, it's really disappointing. I grew up in rural Australia, and I don't know if either these candy things existed purely there, or I just cannot find them because time has moved on and they got rid of them. But I grew up, and there was like a little corner shop next to my school, and I'd go home, and you could buy these... Um, uh, gumballs that were wrapped up in like a soccer ball pattern so they're like these little soccer balls and you'd unwrap them and they were like gum and you could chew them and they were like the best gum I've ever had in my life I come down to Melbourne and this shop's literally dedicated to candies and gum and chocolates can't find these soccer ball gum anywhere can't find them. And they were not even good as the other balls that they had at this corner shop, which was called the Super Fizzy Gumballs, which were exactly what the title said. They were super. Fizzy. Gumballs. And they were gumballs. Mm. And the best ones were the yellow ones, which is usually the opposite of things. Like when you have gummy bears or when you have usually usually green and yellow are the ones that people go, eh, I don't really care for those ones. I used to get sick from like lemon flavored lollies, I think. But the Sugar Fizzy Gumballs, the yellow ones... Well, you want that sugar fizzy, and you get that shit, you know, that citrusy, or like the... Oh, yeah, the mm. citric acid that real fizzes up. Mm. I'm getting... getting Great catch. <laughs> I mean, it literally <laughs> went right into his glove. <laughs> I said this... And it's my... actually quite impressive. And I know, you did it with just his hand in his pocket as well, and then caught it. Like, it was just so impressive. Now, this scene's heartbreaking, you know. Jane Lynch is here looking completely different. Yeah, I'm really going to look out for it. Uh, it's her. Here she is. It's Jane Lynch, people. That's Jane fucking Lynch. It's crazy. So, yeah, um, Jane Lynch is just here to tell her, man. I mean, you could tell because look how tall Jane Lynch is. She's like over. She's towering over. Cause Jane Lynch, tall lady. This this little, little Dolly Parton, she's like not tall. So yeah, holy shit! Yeah, I can't. It's it's crazy it's town. Weird. It's crazy town. Jane Lynch is in this. Everyone's in this. I mean, I'm in this. If you really look hard enough, I'm not even born yet, but somehow I'm here. You're in this particular scene, Ryan. Oh yeah. See, 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 Dolly Parton's hair. That's me. I'm the hair. I know you're shocked. I'm shocked too, man. You know, it's just a lot of lot of things going on. So, um, Bartek, on a scale of one to eyes falling out of your face, how sad did you feel during this sequence here? Well, I, I was, I mentioned it earlier that I felt that this might have been a bit of a logical weakness of the film because they were talking about how, um,. The advice she was given was advice to a lie. Yeah. And that's her fault, but... And and they gave the logic of... You only heard one side of the story, so you gave advice to that side. And he was gonna... He did it because you told him to. I, I felt yeah. like... Things just didn't connect for me with that. And then it did pay off later. Because then Sean, Sean just was going to do it anyway, but he wanted some, like... Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there was a payoff there, but I felt like the the logic of y- you did something wrong, but she literally only can respond to what she's told. Is, though, it's It's not her job to find out if it's the truth or a lie. It, it makes sense in my mind, because pretty much everyone wants someone to blame. 
Like they yeah. will never blame the person directly, especially in that rela- in that situation. In a relationship, no one ever wants to blame the person. I that's understand that completely, but... but you also understand in terms of what that scene is demonstrating, as well as what the film has already kind of theor- put out there, is there is a dangerous element to what she is doing. Even though it's not even I... that she's un- not qualified, which she's already she's going to say is one of the reasons, but it's also the the whole you solve someone's major life problems within two minutes and they take your word for it and do it and also the fact that that's kind of what culture is now like these are major she says this these are major important life decisions you should make these decisions on your own not rely on others to give you that you know what i mean yeah i I completely understand i I think it worked in that scene particularly well because it is like a messy thing that their relationship short and that woman's relationship is and a part of the mess is that Sean goes to some person on the radio so that one he could be heard on the radio and also to find a quick and easy solution to abandoning this relationship I- and that's a that does for for Dolly's morality that she has does affect her because she sees only the best in people. I understand that, and I, I completely, yeah, I caught all the the references they were talking about earlier. What if it ruins something? And this is, you know, a payoff to that in the sense that, like, here's someone whose life you potentially have ruined. I just feel like it would have been much more effective if they didn't have the lie angle there. Like, yeah. if, if she got like a truthful, um, oh yeah, you know, a story, and she gave advice and it didn't pan out well. But I think it also... But, yeah, I understand what you're saying with that. Mm. I totally understand. Uh, but you give it a 7 out of 10, right? For emotionalness of the scene? Oh, I, no, I give it the full 10. 10, of course. Crying your I'm, eyes out of your face, of I'm course. just saying, you know, we could have gone 11. But I think you're right. But also I think they were trying to do with that angle of... It's dealing with her moral compass code oh, of realising yes. that people aren't truthful all the time. Because she lives in this kind of optimistic sphere of things in which people are truthful and she's counted with that earlier in the movie by by uh she's counted by that with james woods where she's like you you lied to me and he's like and you've lied to the whole world and she goes that's completely different and he's like no they're the same thing and she doesn't understand that and that's kind of here the scene is her really truly learning what lies do and how they uh, big and small, but at the end of the day, they're still hurtful, and they lead to major consequences in the end. And that's what she does here: is she goes, "That's it. I'm changing. I'm going to tell the truth, because that's who I am, and I haven't been that." And you I think know, since, that's since, really powerful. Yes, you know what? Since there is a theme of lying, I do have to give it to the film. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. It's pretty emotional stuff, and you know, it's. Uh, Sad scene, you know. Here she is walking out. Mm. But I love that this is an optimistic world in which people want her back. They don't feel wounded. Like, this could have been really, like, a sad drama fest in which everyone turns against her. You have that scene where the newspaper spins to the camera and has, like, (laughs) she's a bitch! Or something. Oh, yeah, like, she's a phony. She's a You know, if we really... Charlatan! (laughs) If we really think about it hard enough, the whole reason why they had to queue up the lies because the boss, who is a pretty nice guy from what we can tell... The main boss, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Perlman guy. um, This guy whose accent I couldn't figure out. Sometimes he sounded Polish. Like, uh, sometimes he had this thick European accent that reminds me of, like, your mum's accent. 
Mm. But then he would also speak with a Chicago accent. I'm like, where is he from? It's been too long since I heard it. Um, but yeah, the whole thing kind of started because he wanted a doctor. And when he got what he thought was a doctor and he realizes it's not a doctor, he realizes, hey, it, it, it worked. I like yeah. it. I, I, you know, and I also really like that he wasn't... Like, he wasn't like, bah, she lied to me. Yeah. Like, there was no, like, you know, that kind of thing. And I think also throughout the film, they really showed that the what people liked about her was her. Yeah. None of the construction that the manager was doing. Like, yes, publicity-wise, but, like, the people actually who were fans liked Dolly for Dolly. Like, yeah, they was... liked Shirley for Shirley. It's like, well, yeah, what Jules was saying earlier, she doesn't really outright tell a lie. She just has to, like, put up with the big ones that the well, other people the, made. Well, the biggest one is that she has this qualification. Yeah. So the thing is, most of the time on those talk shows, like, if they said, hey, we're, we're putting a random on the radio, no one would ever call up. But as soon as you put a qualification behind it, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, I can justify... Well, they should have... They should have... Sh- oversharing. They should have wised up when she said that she went to screw you. <laughs> That's yeah. clearly not a university. Oh, oh definitely, definitely. Yeah, but I it mean, was definitely more... But do we clear. know that? for fact Bartek we haven't gone to American colleges they are very different they have a place called Brown I mean isn't that a British one I no, Brown, Brown is, University isn't Brown one of like the most major Ivy League yeah in, in America in America I thought oh. Brian Griffin went to Brown I'm, I'm telling you of something else I'm thinking of whatever Emma Watson went to uh, you mean Hogwarts NYU <laughs> oh I did it Cambridge no, she went to a British one. Oxford? I don't know. I swear she went to NYU. I, I thought Cambridge she went to was a British. I one. thought Cambridge was a British one, is it not? Yeah, Cambridge is. Yeah, so she is, yeah, Cambridge yeah. and Oxford. Yeah. Um, she is. Like, well, here's a here's a little fun fact about the boss of the movie, the kindly old gentleman. He was uh one Philip was, B- Bosco? Yeah, he was uh he was a guy in First Wives Club, which is kinda like a... Is that the Tyler Perry one? No, it's the one that's got Bette Midler and it's like nine to five and we referenced it oh, heavily when it. um we did The Other Woman. Like there's always those kind of movies where it's like the wives or the girls taking revenge on the evil guy and uh, nine to five, first wives club and you know, he's in that as an uncle, so that's kinda cool. And um he was born in Jersey. 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 And he only died last year at the age of eighty eight. Hmm. And what a handsome man. I'm just looking at him as an old man, and he's like, oh, 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 he was in Law and Order. There you go. So he worked with Jerry Orbach again. <laughs> like, were, he literally worked they when both, they were both, when he was at the were, You know, they were both bosses in this film, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, oh, God. Now, didn't this scene just make you well up with sweetness? Oh, this was cute. This was so cute. Like, there's so many great iconic romantic movie moments, like uh, John Cusack with the speaker above his head yeah. in the rain. This is that for Dolly, you know, like, uh, man, it just made you want to well up. And I love that there's a payoff to the whole angle of him kissing her on this bridge. And it's like, you're going to kill me. And then the cops come along and like, yeah, he's killing her. I actually thought they were going to fall off. That would be like the comedic beat or ending of the movie. Yeah. The kind of bookend. Like the bum bum. I did love though. The comedic beat ending of the movie of the mid credit cut to her giving advice. Mm. That was great. 
just she's just so on topic with the guy who's like, I want to be a woman, and he, she's like, got two pieces of advice for you. Don't perm your own hair and don't wear heels on a wet lawn. But and this, then moves on. But this is so progressive considering he goes, oh, um, like I would like to go on a date with someone who be, whose, whose yeah. name begins with S and ends in E. And she goes, Shane? No, no. She first goes like uh, sh- sh- uh, Simone and then he's like, I know a guy called Shane. Then date him. And then yeah. walks up. Well, here's the thing. Dolly, like many people, like many women in this particular industry of music, like Kylie Minogue and whatever, she's queen of the gays. Yeah. She she has to be. Like, you know, like Dolly knows that her biggest, uh, like, audience are women's and gays. Like, apparently there was a marketing thing for this to try and get men and women to come see it. But oh, it only trivia, really worked yeah. for women and Dolly Parton fans. fans. Yeah. And that's kind of like, you mean gays? You can say the gays. But, I uh, could have sworn the trivia mentioned that it was like when couples went to see it, the men liked it. Yeah, that was the pitch for it. Right. Oh, that was the, the trivia, like the intention, but to get men to go see it as well. But instead, uh, here, oh, here it is. Go. And of course, you know, Dolly, such a class act. I like this guy in the background making food. He's got the hat, yeah. Uh, it's It's... It's really um, uh, typical because she goes topical. Sorry, because she goes, "What's cooking?" Yeah, well, that's her catchphrase. You know, what's cooking? I mean, uh, you know, here's the thing: movie's kind of over. You know, she's still giving her advice in their song and whatnot. But um, I wish it wasn't over. You know, it's like this is one of those few movies we've done on the show where it's like, wish it wasn't over, man. Wish this was longer. You know, there's like, uh, there's one more joke I can tell, but I have to wait for the credits to get to the part. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, but um, I'll get into the we'll get into ratings and the reviews. I'll do mine first, and if we we hit the thing, then you mention it again, Bounty. Mm-hmm. You're eagle-eyed. Um, of course, I love this. I thought it was great. It's this a very is, dumb joke. It, okay. You love dumb jokes. <laughs> uh, this was a very fun, entertaining movie. The music. There it is. Yeah. Dolly grip. Where? Dolly grip. There's a dolly grip. There you go. Thanks. Get Bounty. it? Because the name is Dolly Parton. No, sorry, I was just bringing back the where joke. Oh, where? <laughs> Who? If Jules, if you do this again next episode, I'm going to have to hit Bartek. So, um, I love this movie. I thought it was really wonderful. The music's great. The acting's great. I think the way it goes about the story is interesting, is complex. It goes through different ways and angles and perspectives that you could do it. It has actors that I wouldn't expect to be all in the same movie, working together, working off of each other. And the chemistry... Really good. James Woods does a really good job as being the straight man in the movie. And Dolly Parton is the emotional core and center. It's such a bummer that she doesn't really act these days, you know? Doesn't really show up as as a leading role or supporting role. Like, how cool would she be as, like, you know, like the kind of fun grandma character in, like, a TV show or, or like, a movie or, or something? If... Like, like, you know, I, like, I would watch her in more things and this movie to kind of cap off her career for at least a good decade or so in terms of appearing in movies it is a good one to go out on and she produced Buffy people so I mean what a hero we got one it's her put her in a Marvel movie make her Captain Marvel (laughs) I want to watch her as Captain Marvel where she's like howdy y'all it's me Captain Marvel and then she's got a fiddle and she's like Fiddle time! And she's just like, and we're just, and we are, we the audience are going, yeah, we're slapping our knees and playing a spoon on our knees. Like, we're just having a righteous good time. If I had to give this film a rating, which I do, there's only one rating I can give it. And it's not a this out of that, it's just a Jerry Orbach. I mean, 
Nothing more needs to be said. That says it all, Jerry Orbach. Bartek, let's hear from you. I was also very pleasantly surprised with this film, having... I won't say no expectations. I did, I did have good expectations, considering that we're doing this on the show, Unappreciated Masterpieces. But it, it was better, much better than I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, good. Got, like, better than good. And better than good is better than good to me. <laughs> I, yeah. Honestly, when I read Ebert's review and he pointed out, yeah, the performances by the leads were great, uh, but the plot was kind of cliche, I could see what he was saying, but something in the back of my mind was saying, he's missing something here, and I'm too tired to realise what that is. And having just done the podcast now, I do realise that it's because... Much like many other films we've done in the show that could be considered cliche or generic, there is cleverness to it. Oh, yeah. This is in the same league as films like Cop Out. It's, it's very good. Very clever, great performances, lots of cameos. Unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with most of the actors that were in this film, but I love that I got to see them nonetheless. And I was actually wondering, because you were, you were mentioning, Ryan, um... You know, why doesn't Dolly Parton show up in more things these days? Yeah. I'm wondering, do people that are younger than us, or even people our age, really know her that well? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a queen. I mean, we all know Dolly. I mean, you just look at her and you just go, oh, yeah, that's Dolly. Yeah. I, I mean, if she just turned up, you'd be like, oh, it's Dolly. I think I think so. I think she's just got such huge star power. Like, her concerts still sell out for young and old. Like, there are young people who go to her concerts. I mean, okay. she's just universal. She's like Elton John. You know what I mean? She's like the female country version of Elton John. She's got the glam. She's like the new Liberace. Like, she's just got this style. She, yeah, she's she's timeless. Hmm. She's like a fine one. Well, that just, that just says to me that, you know, Hollywood's got a, you know, a treasure trove just sitting right over there. Not even... Not even a hidden treasure trove, just a treasure trove. I mean, they're right there. Her tits are right there, guys. <laughs> I'm talking about the woman herself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which the tits belong to. <laughs> they're insured for 600 grand. She's the one that's insured, not the tits. No, the breasts are insured for 600 grand. No, but I'm making a joke that the she... tits are the... She would have to sleep on her belly, right? With Why? how big they are. Because if she slept on her back, they could, like... Crush. Yeah, but how uncomfortable would that be on her front, though? Because you'd just well, be like... Well, they're just basically... it would. She would have to be a side sleeper. A side sleeper or well-placed pillows. Yeah. Like, but she can't sleep on her back or else they would, like, concave in, like, the the, the weights on, on her ribs. Because she's such a tiny woman with, like, a huge bust. Hmm. That's a thing. it depends on how heavy they are, yeah. She has made a joke that she's got called out for. She made a joke in 1992. She made the same joke in 2013. And with the internet, people were like, we know you made this joke back in 1992 too. And she's like, howdy, y'all. I didn't know. She says that she, like, people ask her about her breasts. And she just goes, I pump them up every morning with a bike pump. And it's just like, <laughs> she said that in 1992. She said it in 2013. And people were like, Dolly repeating jokes? No. <laughs> like, the people got enraged. Uh, do you have a rating? 21 years is enough to repeat a joke. I do not if you're Dolly. <laughs> not if you're Dolly. Should have waited 22. She's got so many good jokes on her Twitter, guys. I mean, I'm telling you. It's amazing. <laughs> so, do you have a rating for this bad boy? 
I give this film 21 years out of Michael Madsen's bowling bag. Okay. <laughs> Come on, Batman. I'm Mama's boy. Go away, Batman. He could have been Batman. Could you imagine him as, like, Bat... No, he would be a great Harvey Dent. He would be a great Harvey Dent, <laughs> wouldn't he? Maybe. Yeah. He would be like, hey, Batman, it's me, Harvey Dent. And then the Harvey Dent voice would be like, yeah, it's me. Like, it'd be different. So, Jules... Let's hear from you. A review and rating for Straight Talk from 1992. Well, well, if we're if we're straight talking or talking straight, um, I actually again was pleasantly surprised by this film. Uh, I I get the whole kind of cliche of it, but there were some tropes that they actually avoided, which was nice and an, a surprise. The chemistry was great. Um, I think there are a lot of messages and questions that this movie brings up with, I guess, um, morality and um, ethics that can still definitely be applied today. And I think just having a strong female lead who was very true to herself throughout the whole film, even though, you know, she was pegged with a lie... um, was refreshing. The fact yeah. that she didn't really play into it and d- tried to go out of her way not to play into that lie as much as, um, I guess, what other films really ham it up to be was great. Do you have a rating? Um, yeah, I would say it deserves all the honks at midnight. Oh, definitely. Definitely <laughs> all the honks. All the honks and more. Yeah. The population's increased since 1992. So, Bartek, internet, did what it have it? an opinion? On yeah. this particular feature film? I guess it did. Why are you asking me? You usually gather them. Do you have any? Oh, yeah, I have. Jesus! By Jerry Where? Orbuck's ghost! <laughs> I do have them. Jesus next to Jerry Orbuck's ghost. Well, some might say he is Jesus, Jerry Orbuck. I'm not saying it. All those J names sound the same. Yeah, <laughs> Orbuck, right? <laughs> Sounds like Nazareth, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Nazareth. I've got comments from YouTube, but unfortunately, there weren't many. Well, I'm not too surprised. Dolly Parton fans don't use the web as much. I look. I mean, through... Dolly uses it a bunch. I looked me. through three different videos on YouTube. Two of them were trailers. One of them was was a zoomed-in copy of the whole film. Yum. And one of the trailers said that they 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 extracted the footage from a Ernest Scared Stupid VHS. Or something oh wow! Like that. Not even the good Ernest, maybe. Anyhow, Ernest goes to jail, people. Anyhow, I've only got three comments from YouTube, but I've balanced that with two IMDb reviews. Yes. The first comment is truly a plus movie. Enjoy watch. Still try <laughs> find soundtracks. This movie always enjoy her music. That truth. Was that in English? That or? was three sentences. <laughs> Could you tell where the full stops were? <laughs> oh, I could feel it. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. <clears throat> do have... <laughs> do have this film movie, but only on Blu-ray DVD. Only where to have it. Have find on... Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing. Have find on DVD. Since most companies don't want make Blu-ray DVD or 4K HUD unit on the go... In car, 
awesome film movie. Love all classic hits, songs, soundtrack songs. Thank you. Are these all written by aliens? Do, do they have the DVD? Was this or the same person? For was, the DVD? was this the same person again? I, I don't think so. Also, were they DVDs or Blu-rays? Well, Blu-ray DVDs. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> And the final comment, and this one is in plain old English. <clears throat> oh, you say that, but you're going to be like, "Twas the night," and I'm like, "Oh no, he meant plain old English." No, plain the the emphasis on old. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the comment. <laughs> right. That could have been uh, old English. Dolly Parton. And now we come to... Yeah, the- they said like, ah, Dolly Parton. I would argue that R is not English, but... So, Ryan, <laughs> R- you mentioned R- in the scene with uh, Jane Lynch that um you were in that scene. I was in it. Yeah, That's, that's me. That's interesting. I'm in it. Uh, so this so review- if this person has something negative to say, or they're claiming that they're in it, I'll fight them. This review is titled, Background Was Interesting Experience. Ooh. In all lowercase. Uh, <laughs> Only the titles are all in lowercase. What, what year was it? This is from 7th of May 2005, oh. and it is a 5 out of 10 review, but they don't really have anything bad to say. Okay, okay. I'll, maybe they meant 5 out of 5. Maybe. <clears throat> I was an extra in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Would never do it again, although I'm not sorry I did it. Dolly Parton was so neat to all of us, much more than the, quote, lesser actors in the piece, received $50 for standing in the rain without a raincoat. Over a 12-hour period, you can see me jumping up and down in the scene, brackets, this was acting designed to show how interested I was in what was going on. Where Amy Madigan confronts Dolly about advice given to her boyfriend. When we saw this film in the theatre, my daughter and I completely broke up. Of course, no one else in the theatre could understand why these two fools were nearly rolling on the floor laughing. Wow. That was really emotional. Was that it? That's it. I mean, it was an interesting take. I hadn't heard that before. I was there, of course, and I can tell you everything she said was, I am, she said, or they said was true. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Dolly's neat. I mean, what a fact. I, I'm sorry that wasn't in Dolly's trivia. I'm going to put that in there now. She is neat. The next review. Five out of ten. <laughs> the next review is higher than a five out of ten. The next review is titled, Somewhat Addictive, dot, dot, dot. Heroin a review. <laughs> <laughs> it is from the 11th of November 2005, and it's a 7 out of 10 review. Ooh. There's something about this movie that keeps bringing you back for more. I bought the video used for about 3 bucks, brackets, the price is why I bought it, <laughs> and was pleasantly surprised, and watch it again and again and again. I notice other viewers who have done this, who have done the same, and can't help but wonder what it is. I have even seen lines from this movie quoted in magazines (brackets) attributed to Dolly rather than the scriptwriter. Uh, some people might say Dolly is the script. There are some, <laughs> there are some gaping goofs, of course. Suddenly, Jack says. You probably think you just heard a doorbell, although nor, 
although no door or doorbell was rung at all. Brackets. Maybe they fixed that in the later releases. Also, nobody but Shirley and her boss Alan is supposed to know what. She, uh, sorry, is supposed to know that she is not a doctor, despite the fact that the receptionist took her resume filled with occupations such as bartender, waitress, waitress, dance instructor. Yeah. There are others, but even so, you keep coming back for more. New paragraph. Yum. <laughs> a few of the one-liner parts have awful acting skills, but even so. End of paragraph. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that was a whole paragraph, right? I don't know. So what, Seven out of ten. <laughs> so what is it about this movie? Maybe it's the soundtrack. I hate C forward slash W, but the all Dolly soundtrack is wonderful and her songs fit each situation as if it were a musical. Oh, yeah. Also, Dolly is a very believable actress, despite the very unbelievable situation. Believing Dolly is a shrink is like believing Whoopi is a nun. You know it's (laughs) ludicrous, but they somehow get you to accept it and enjoy. You want to believe it! Man, if Whoopi and Dolly teamed up... It was a crossover movie between that and and, and, uh, Sister Act, I'd watch it. Some of her advice is like Zen. For example, the one about women and cornflakes. Oh, God. You just don't get it. There is a lot you just don't get in this movie, but you still love it. That's a lot like loving a person, I guess. Man, the cornflakes bit, we didn't even touch on that, but that was amazing. (laughs) That it? That's all. That's everything. Man, I was touched in my cornflake hole. That's my butthole. That's where the cornflakes come out when I eat them. Right. After I could have made it my mouth hole where they go in, but Jules, you know me, you know me. I thought I thought the corn goes through the ear. Ah, uh, that's that's corn, not not corn flakes. There's a the difference. That's what they grow in North America. Corn flakes are made out of corn. I'm pretty sure. No flakes. No, no, they're made out of corn. The band. Oh, with, with a, a K. K. Mm. <laughs> Jules just rolled her eyes like with a K. Oh, not those guys. <laughs> So, Jules, thank you very much for being a Dolly aficionado with us. Thanks. <laughs> you can add that to your CV under waitress, 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 cocktail waitress, uh, dance, dance instructor, instructor <laughs> uh, receptionist, uh, radio delivery. presenter, and now Dolly, Dolly partner aficionado. Bartok, a pleasure as always, especially that we held hands throughout the whole entire episode. We just could not stop holding each other's hands because Dolly has that effect on you, you know? Sorry for sweating. You're always sweating. It's it's fine. You're a very sweaty guy. Every time Bartok leaves, I have to just um, mop down the house. I sweat everywhere. Get on the ceiling. He's like Mr. Moist in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog where his power is only to be very sweaty and damp and things. That's you, Bartek. I only play GTA. And he plays GTA and watches Saved by the Bell. So, you listening people have been fantastic, amazing, wonderful. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polished Presents. We have the email, spitandpolished at gmail.com if you want to send us any thoughts, feedback, requests, all those... Scams. Scams. Um, all that kind of wondrous stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to us, you know, we're on all the podcast platforming sites, not just the one you're listening to us on, we're on others. 
We're not on Groove Shark though, that old defunct streaming music site before Spotify that I used to listen to in high school when I was supposed to be doing work at the school computers. We're not on that one. We're not on MySpace either, but you know, maybe one day, Bartek, MySpace. Um, give us a rating and review if you can, or well, not if you can, you should, or else we'll cut your hands off and replace them with Dolly Parton dolls for hands. <laughs> and you have to pull the strings on the back for her to sing with your other Dolly Parton hand, and you're gonna be you're gonna be living in a in a really bad time in a really bad world, Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. You know who you are. So until next time, listening people, remember to be kind to each other, y'all. Ring, 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 ring. Yes. Ring. Hey, it's me, I'm Michael Madsen. I've got a problem. Yeah. I need someone to listen to me. Listen. To help me with my problem. <laughs> What's your problem? I think I'm Michael Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst problem you could ever have in your life. <laughs>